Welcome to the No Filter Photography Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Cook. Today, I have another special guest. He does vintage style World War II photography. Please help me welcome Mr. Chris Hernandez. Welcome to the No Filter Photography Podcast. I am here with Chris. How are you doing? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So, can you tell the audience a little more about yourself? Okay. So, uh, I'm 50. I'm a uh, former Marine, retired Army National Guard soldier, a combat vet of Iraq and Afghanistan. I've been a cop for a long time, uh, 28, and uh, married for a long time, 20, coming up on 29. We've got four kids, two grandkids, and I became a photographer. I got into photography about seven years ago, and uh, about a year and a half ago, I got into film photography and insane about it awesome what do you like more the film photography or doing photography um film is really has really really captured my uh, if i could just do film all the time i would awesome so how exactly did you start doing photography so i'd always had sort of a passing interest in photography never really uh you know pursued it um and then it's, this weird thing happened uh, seven years ago at work. We had an officer get killed, get murdered. And uh, at the funeral, helicopters were going to fly over. And I was asked by my supervisor, um, he asked me, do you have a real camera? And I said, no, I don't. He said, well, if we give you a real camera, would you be willing to fly in one of the helicopters over the funeral? And I said, okay, I, I really have no idea what to do but sure i'll do it so, <laughs> handed a camera and told um don't jack with any of the settings just point press halfway focus and and take the pictures so i did that and the pictures came out you know okay but then i, I kind of thought you know I, I should learn how to do this and so i went and bought a really cheap little minolta starter uh digital realize after about you know, a week that I needed something better. So I got a, a, a Canon Rebel T3i, used that for, you know, a year or so. And then I went up to a 70D, and then eventually uh, now I'm shooting with a Canon uh, 5 Mark III. Awesome. Man, I bet that was a bad, let uh, me, how can I put it, a wonderful experience being in that helicopter going around and taking pictures. I mean, it's a sad event, but the, being able to go in the helicopter. Well, I, I've been in you know helicopters a few times in the military, and and uh, it was it was being being in the helicopter taking a picture definitely was challenging. Um, and uh, I actually got to do it again more times, not at funerals, but the fake of going up in helicopters and taking pictures. Time I got to shoot one helicopter to another, and got some really awesome looking action shots. Um, so I've, I've had the opportunity to do and now I'm actually trying to talk my way out of one of the World War II, uh, World War II B-17 to take pictures of flight. Wow. Do you do all that around Houston? I do that around Houston. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> so talk us through uh, on the camera you started with. You felt like that didn't, that wasn't, you know, you, you mastered that camera. And so you, ha you went to another camera. Well, 
I wouldn't say I mastered it. And, and the one thing that I definitely I am very aware of about, about myself, that, you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned my strengths and my weaknesses. And one of my weaknesses is I really get into things as long as they're fun. And as soon as it turns into work, I kind of quit or not quit, mm-hmm. quit right there. Well, with that, that Minolta that I, I started off with, uh, I don't even remember what model it was. It was something really cheap. I bought off Craigslist or something. And uh, chances are it had a lot more capabilities than I did. But I just felt like this really does not take pictures that well. Like the pictures, are not, they're not that sharp. I, I need something better. Um, and so I very quickly, uh, I wound up finding a T3i. And uh, that, you know, not a professional camera or anything, but it's a fantastic uh, amateur camera. And so I, I used that for a while. And, and again, I know that camera could do more than I could do. But then I had an opportunity, you know, I found a, an affordable um, a 70D and then an affordable Canon 5D Mark III. Um, and so I just, you know, moved up in camera capabilities, although I still, you know, that camera could do a, a lot more than I'm capable of doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So how did you get into doing the vintage style photography doing the uh you talked about or you sent me a message saying um the world war one or the world war two i believe it was how did you get into all of that so it's a lifelong thing for me that uh my family we have military history back to the first world war where my my great grandfather and his brother served in the army during world war one but it ended before they got sent over but then in world war two uh, my grandparents' generation, I had a bunch of great uncles who served. I had one that was killed in the Philippines. Um, and uh, I grew up hearing all about, you know, what my my relatives had done and, and meeting several of them. Um, and and I always had a fascination with military history and my family's military history as a, when I was a kid. So I decided when I was very young, I was probably six or seven years old when I decided I was going to be a soldier. And uh, I joined the Marine Corps in my senior year of high school, 17 years old. I turned 18 in basic training. I was throwing hand grenades on my 18th birthday. And wound up just really uh, loving the military, even though a lot of it sucked. I didn't, never really got to do what I wanted to do. And um, that's just the military. But still, I, I just had this passion for serving in the military and the history. And then when I photography... <coughs> Um, I had a collection of World War II uniforms and equipment, and, uh, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to try dressing some people up in this and seeing if I can find a good setting to make them look like they're real World War II soldiers, and I w- and wound up getting just some awesome, fantastic pictures. Um, and so I, I do that as often as I can now, and, and I'm doing it more often with film. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to say is that's a one hell of a way to, to bring in your 18th birthday. To throw hand grenades, <laughs> and then that that is pretty cool being able to you know take old photos and then like in this generation, I guess you can say. Yeah, um, when you when you take when you use film, there's there's just a certain thing that you know there is a lot more work. It's a Everything about film, film photography is more complicated. It's more difficult. It takes more time. And that's why I like it. I think that's why it appeals to a lot of people that they, you know, you put more heart into it and you appreciate the product, the, the results more. 
So uh, what I always compare it to is, um, you know, I could run a marathon or I could just drive 26.2 miles. Isn't that easier? Yeah, but it's the process. It's, it's the point of all the preparation, all the heart you put into the run. That's what makes it worthwhile. It's not the distance. I, I do agree. Well, can you take us on, on the process through the process of a day of you know you doing the film photography, where you know how you you take the pictures to develop developing them? Okay, uh, sure. So let's say there's one of the photo shoots that I did with a there's a female paratrooper in the Army National Guard. She's an Iraq combat vet. Um, and she got a World War II paratrooper. And we went out to, uh, are you familiar with Tomball? Yes, sir. So in, right on the main street in Tomball, right on Main, and I think it's North Walnut, mm-hmm. there is a little piece of a broken down, like a knockdown building. You know, you know where I'm talking about? I, I think you do. I think I do. So, so that, that little piece of a knockdown building, if you shoot at the correct angle, it looks like, you know, war-torn Europe, 1945. So, uh, so what I did, I went out there with this female paratrooper, and we, we put on her, you know, the, the World War II stuff, and I took digital pictures, but then the last thing I did is I took my speed graphic, and uh, are you familiar with speed graphic camera? You know what that is? No, sir. So a speed graphic, um, there's different types, but, but what I was using was a, a it, it is a four inch by five inch called a large format film camera. The film negative is four inches by five inches, film sheet. So it's one picture at a time. Uh, And what you have to do, it's like a big box. You open up the box, you extend the lens, you open uh, the front lens, got a shutter in the lens. You have to open that up and there's another shutter. that uh, it, it's a curtain and you have to open that so that you're looking straight through the camera onto what's called ground glass at the back. And the ground glass is where you focus your image when you're looking at it. It is upside down and backwards as to what it would be. And so you have to set everything on a tripod and you can look at the ground glass and you can focus it and focus it perfectly. And then you focus the front lens back and you holder is like a it's like a little cassette. got one sheet of film on each side insert the film holder and then you pull the cover off the film sheet that's called a dark slide and then you cock your shutter after you put in your settings your your aperture your exposure speed you take one picture and then you stick the dark slide back in to cover your cover that exposed sheet of film pull the film cassette out flip it around stick it back in the camera and take another picture um, so that's how long it takes for each individual picture. Then when I get back, say I've got four exposed sheets of film. Like I go out to a photo shoot and with the film camera, four pictures is a lot. Okay. So I, I come back and I either have to wait until dark or I have what's called a dark bag, which is just a, a light proof bag that I can do my work in. And in pitch black, you take the film sheet out of the film holders and you load them into a, a developing tank, close the developing tank back up. And once the closed, you can bring it out in light. So um, it's something that I found out when I got into film, I always thought you needed a dark room to develop film. You don't, you need a 
darkened room just to get the film into the developing tank. Well, once you're done with that, you can do everything else in the light. Um, so I developed my own film in my bathroom scene. It takes about 30 minutes to develop uh, a tank of film, whether that's with four sheets of four by five or, you know, two rolls, 35 millimeter, whatever it is. It takes about 30 minutes. That sounds like a process, but it sounds pretty cool. It's pretty cool, and it's a lot easier than I thought, at least with, with black and white. Black and white is easy to develop. Color is, is a lot more complicated. I don't shoot color. I only shoot black and white. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool. It's enjoyable. It, you're very focused on what you're doing. So it's, uh, you know, I, I enjoy developing film. And it's always, you know, that thrill when you open the developing tank at the end of it and you pull the film sheets out or you pull the roll out and, you know, did I, did I do good? What's it going to look like? There, there's no instant gratification. Right. So <clears throat> how did your first photo shoot of doing the vintage, your bit, the vintage photography style, how did that go? Um, the first ones were really, really basic. I mean, they were like, you know, I have a, I have a motorcycle that looked like a World War II motorcycle. And, uh, you know, just like asking my wife to sit on it and I take a picture of her. Um, or I, you know, uh, a guy that I didn't know real well, it's a fellow Iraq that who, who uh, had said, hey, man, I'd love to do one of those World War II shoots. And I just dressed him up in World War II stuff. I had a, a replica of weapon. And we went out to the neighborhood park in the woods, in, in a little wooded area, and I took some pictures. It was it went very fast. There was nothing complicated about it. I was really more testing the film, like if this is going to work. And then, uh, and then once I started developing my own, uh, I was positive I was going to like ruin every single picture that I I took just in the developing process. Um, but the whole thing, the photo shoot, everything started off very very basic. I didn't try to do anything complicated. Um, now it's, I'm actually, now I'm a little more complicated in that I'm shooting action shots, you know, where I'm participating with taking the film and actors and, um, it's, it's different now, but when I first started, I was positive. I was going to screw everything up. So I was going as basic as possible. Yeah. I mean, I probably do the same thing. Just go basic and see what you can do. And then if, that was good. Okay, we can do a little more, do a little more, do a little more, and then I mean, at, by the end of that one, or probably the third or fourth time, you you got it, and you can just move on to the like you said, the action shots. Right. Um, now I can I can tell you, still it is really easy to screw things up with film, um, and so like for example, uh, I was taking pictures of my grand just out in the front yard last week. And I had a an old film pack. It's, it's a, a pack that holds 16 four by five film sheets. It's you know totally obsolete technology. They haven't made any since 1990. Old ones. And I was testing those out. Took some took two pictures of one granddaughter. And the way that those things work is you pull your dark slide, you take your picture, you advance to the next sheet, take your picture, and when you're done, you stick the dark slide back in. Well, I took two pictures of one granddaughter, sent her in the house to get the other granddaughter. The other one came back out. I took two more pictures, and I forgot to pull the dark slide, so I wasted two sheets of film. I got nothing. Oh. Um, so during like during the World War II reenactments, um, 
And you want me to explain how that process works, like just the basics? You, you yes, you you can if you would like to. So so um, I am there with the reenactors. The reenactments follow a script of where like these guys are going to go out on the field and they're going to get attacked and they're going to fall back and then the Germans advance across the field and then the big American counterattack comes and there'll be tanks coming in on the left and there'll be a jeep going in on the right and there's going to be explosions on the battlefield and you know simulated machine gun fire and all this stuff. And I am running along with the counterattacking American troops. So um, because we're moving so fast, obviously you can't compose all your images on the ground glass. Um, there's a second way those cameras focus, which is with a range finder. That's where you look through a lens and it shows you a split image. And then you move, you know, you adjust your lens. And uh, when those two images match together, you, now you're in focus and you can take the picture that's still too slow for when you're doing the action stuff so this is something i i learned from at the first re or just for the first reenactment i didn't know this existed there's something called hyperfocal distance where if you for example i have a 127 millimeter lens on my camera i set it to f22 um and i focus on something 30 feet away and then lock the focus down so for the lens doesn't move now everything from roughly 15 feet away to infinity is going to be in didn't know that so um so there, when you set your camera like that, you've got a little square that pops up above the lens and then a peak right in the back, and that's how you compose. You use those things to compose your picture. So I just set, set the camera like that, and I'm just running along with the reenactors, and when I see something that looks cool, I pick the camera up, look through. It's called a wireframe finder, and that's how I take the picture. I'm not focusing on any, you know, using any other focus mechanism. I'm just doing that, and I'm having to hurry up and you know, switch out film holders and pull the dark slides and um and it's hot and there's you know you're exerted and there's all kinds of stuff going on you screw up and so there were times that i pulled actually pulled the wrong dark slide i wasted a film sheet that i had already taken um so there's plenty of ways to screw it up and it's and it, it's a matter of just getting used to it and getting the rhythm down and, and not letting yourself get uh, too caught up in the moment where you make dumb mistakes. Now, have you, <clears throat> uh, how can I... I was going to ask you something, but I forgot. I hate that. Okay. So <clears throat> when you're out there on the field with all the, the actors, do you ever use the, your newer camera? No, um, because they don't want to have modern items out there on the reenactment battlefield. Hmm. So, and so to like to give you an, an example of how serious they are about it, the camera that I'm using is from 1953. It's a Korean War military issued combat photographer camera, and that's been brought up. Like, well, that's not really World War II, but so far everyone said, "Hey, it's close enough, and we love the pictures, so we're not going to complain about it." But there wow. are people, are people who are saying, "Like, I don't know, that's too new. We don't want that out there." So. Um, when you pull out a digital camera, and there was a there was a reenactment uh, last year that I was watching, old <laughs> had a modern digital camera, and it really stands out. You can really see it. Mm. Wow, I didn't. I mean, yeah, I understand they want you know everything is in that period of time, and I. I could I get what you're coming from where they say oh that's too new you know we don't want this new camera out there we would rather have somebody that can do like you know 
the a camera from the fifties, and that even the the pictures come out. You know, we like the way the way the pictures come out too. So that's also good, though. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're, that they're just kind of saying like, hey, we're you know we're not going to worry about those details. Care more about. Them. Yeah. So, what do you think has improved since you started doing photography, and what do you think still needs to be improved? As far as for myself. As far as yourself and doing photography. Um, well, I mean, I kind of I describe myself as a perpetual amateur. I will. I can't see myself ever if I'm doing this, you know, if I live to be 100, I'm doing this for another 50 years. I am never, ever going to feel like I've mastered this. Um, I am always learning new things. I am always, you know, realizing, like belatedly realizing, oh, I should have been doing this all along. This is something simple I should have already known, you know, things like that. Um, so what's improved for me is that I have a better idea of what my limitations are. I see things that I just keep screwing up over and over. Like for some reason with my digital camera, I always cant it to the right when I'm taking pictures. I don't know why I do it, but I'm finally realizing like, geez, I'm canting my camera right every time. So I'm taking you know, more time trying to ensure I don't do that. Um, but basically just, I'm becoming more confident in my abilities and I am, uh, honestly acknowledging my shortcomings. Uh, I think maybe something that's getting better for me is I'm getting out of the, uh, uh, have you ever heard of uh, gear acquisition syndrome? No. So that, that's where camera guys just, they have to have everything, whatever cool, whatever cool <laughs> camera world they have to get. Oh, okay. Okay. I was, I did that with digital for a while or just like whatever I could have like, oh, I need this, then I never use it. Um, with film film cameras, man, I, I, I went from have, like, having pretty much zero experience with old film cameras, <laughs> 30 of them, within about a year and a half. And wow. Getting like, oh, cool old tripods, and now I've got all these cool old accessories and I can do something with. And now I'm realizing, like, okay, <laughs> I have enough stuff. There's, there's certain things that I would like to get because they will be useful. But as far as like, hey, I see this camera and it, it's really cool and it's, it's affordable. I should go get that. No, nah, I mean, I've got I've got some awesome, just fantastic vintage cameras that take beautiful pictures. I, I have more cameras now that I could ever possibly use. So, uh, you know, I, I need to quit chasing the gear and focus more on the work. Yeah. Um. What do you, what have you learned since, okay, so this is going to be the same question, but two parts, I guess you can say, for the vintage camera and the newer camera, okay? Okay, uh, so the same question, meaning, like, as far as what it, what has gotten better? Well, no, uh, what have you learned since you have started doing photography? So... What have you learned since you started doing photography for the vintage side and the newer side? Um, the newer, so, you know, it's probably the same, the same answers for the most part. Um, a lot of it is about uh, just deciding what you like, I guess, you know, like what you, 
we're, we're all in this. We're all in photography because we love um, we love what we're doing with it. We love the results we're getting. And, and then it, I kind of, you know, I feel like what you see on a lot of the photography forums is a whole lot of, oh, you're an idiot. You didn't do this. You, you know, you should edit this way. And um, uh, a lot of people talking about how much you should charge and things like that. And uh, I, I kind of feel like both with film and, and digital, it's like, hey, man, if you're happy with what you're doing and customers happy, if it, if it even involves customers, if y'all are both happy with it, then what does it matter what anyone else says? Um, so that, I think maybe that goes to confidence, you know, like, like I am happy with what I'm doing and I'm confident that I'm good enough to do this stuff. Um, you know, and so it, it makes me more positive every time I'm going and going to go into a photo shoot. Um, side, maybe if, if that's what you're asking, like, what am I learning technically on the camera? Uh, I don't know, man. What, can you can you ask me the question again and be more specific? So, let's see. What have you learned since you started doing photography? Like, what's the best part of the the vintage camera? Have you learned that you didn't think you would you would be able to learn? Um, I didn't think I'd be able to learn. I don't know that there was anything that, I don't know, with film, there's all kinds of, like, uh, film science and the, the chemistry, and um, and actually, there's, like, an entire, like, raging debate among the film community about what, what are the, what's the best developer, and what is the the solution mix that you should, you know, the, the ratio mix that you should use for the developer versus water, and and how long should you agitate for? And should you agitate with a swizzle stick or by moving the tank? There's all kinds of different crap. And uh, I'm never going to learn all that stuff. And so I, I have, going back to the basic things, I have a basic, the process that I learned to develop film that I use for whatever I'm shooting. And it seems to always work. I'm probably learn all of the intricacies of the technical technical aspects of film probably not gonna but i also feel like I don't need yeah so i was gonna ask you um okay i just had a brain fart <laughs> sorry drinking too much already yeah <laughs> um Okay, so for your your newer camera, what do you use to edit your photos? Uh, Lightroom. Lightroom. Um, so on your benches camera, do you ever shoot any landscape with it? I don't. Uh, I was actually just talking to a photographer, another a professional, about that yesterday, and saying. I, you know, not that I think there's anything wrong with landscapes. There are plenty of fantastic photographers who have done beautiful landscapes, and Ansel Adams did almost exclusively landscapes. Um, but to me, people are interesting, and I'm I'm always trying to capture like some look in a face or some you know some kind of emotion. Um, and one of the things that I've tried to do with the, the combat style photography is I'm trying 
trying to capture an expression on a guy's face I saw in Afghanistan at the end of a fight that we lost. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those images that, that I have in my head that I, I will never, ever forget the way he looked. And, uh, and if I could somehow capture that in film, I mean, it, I think that would be a very, very powerful image. Yeah. But landscapes, I kind of feel like it doesn't really change. There's a trillion people who have already taken pictures of it, whether it's a natural landscape or a cityscape. Um, so it's not like hey, you have to, you know, capture this moment right as it's happening. It's always there. Uh, so it's, it's just for me, it doesn't really grab me. But again, that's not criticizing anyone else, anyone who does landscapes. Just for me, it's not what I want to do. Yeah. So <clears throat> take me through a day where you're going to go through to uh, one of those reactments. What do you get for, you know, when you're packing up your gear to take your vintage camera, what all do you take with you? Okay, so that's actually kind of a cool question because one of the one of the reasons I really like to film stuff is because when I'm preparing all my film stuff, I feel it's almost like preparing for a mission. And and that was something that I like I enjoyed. I enjoyed that focus that you have when you're getting everything ready because you're going to have a big mission the next day or something like that. And so um, before the reenactments, and I've only done two of them so far. I've, I've got a, another one coming up in. Uh, September that I'm going to do where they they use an actual flamethrower. Oh. And like a real World War II flamethrower uh, to burn out a bunker in a simulated, you know, assault on a Japanese bunker in the Pacific. And, and I, man, I have got to get awesome pictures of that flamethrower in action. Um, but what I'll do is I'll lay out the uniform that I wear. And I have an authentic World War II field uniform that has a uh, U.S. combat correspondent patch on it so i'm over there pretending to be a civilian war correspondent um but i've got you know i've got the web belt with the canteen i've got suspenders i've got pouches like one big pouch on each side of my gear to hold the film holders um and then i'll bring out you know the speed graphic uh make sure everything's functioning i will have all of the film holders loaded and uh, typically i carry eight at least in these two things i've carried eight with me um, I'll have a backup film camera, like a little 35 millimeter from, from the fifties, just in case my speed graphic, you know, if, if something goes wrong with it, um, you know, that'll go into a pouch or a, a backpack and I'm just, you know, laying out like, okay, I've got the camera, here's the, here's, uh, all the film holders I'm going to take. I'm sure that they're all loaded. I'm sure that the dark slides are all in place. Um, you know, I'll, I'll load all the film holders into a pouch and I, I practice like, OK, I'm going to take the film holders out from this side, feed them into the camera. When I take them out, now they're going to go on the other side. So that I'm going to feed them from a, a full pouch into an empty pouch. And, um, you know, and then once I've got it all laid out, I just set it all aside and the next day load it up in the car and go. That, that sounds pretty cool, though. Where is this reactment going to be at in September? at the uh, National Museum of the Pacific War, which I believe it's also called the Nimitz Museum in Fredericksburg. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. I might have to go to that. They're actually, they had one this weekend. They're doing another one on June 11th, I think, but I, I can't get into that one. Um, but I'll be there on, I think it's September 
sometime in September. I'll, I'll be up there doing it. That sounds pretty cool. Do you ever go to the one in um, Hempstead, the uh, Civil War? That, no, I've never been to a Civil War reenactment. I think they have those out in Hempstead out in maybe October in the September, I think. I'm not 100% sure about that. And, well, there's the, the Museum of the American GI in College Station. And I think they do Civil War reenactments there. I know they do World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam. No, World War One, World War Two. Um, but I don't know about one in Hempstead. And, oh, okay. And I'm, I'm not a reenactor. I'm just I'm do I'm dressing up so I can go out there and take the pictures. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, as all, with everything you're saying, it sounds pretty cool. I might have to check one out. <laughs> uh, I really would like to go to the to one of the ones in in uh, Fredericksburg just as a spectator, just to take pictures with my 35 and a zoom lens, and, you know, to make sure I understand how everything's going to work. And then I'll hopefully get some really cool pictures when I'm participating. in it. Oh yeah. So I guess this, this next question is for your newer camera, but if somebody was looking to get into doing photography and looking to buy a camera and some gear, would you recommend them to buy a newer camera, like going to Best Buy, you know, Target, Walmart, or would you uh, recommend them use uh, use camera and use gear? I always recommend used, like basically everything. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm an old guy. I'm I'm much more comfortable technology, and uh, you know, if you say like, yeah, I, I'm not going to have the best Sony mirrorless. But chances are, especially when you're starting off, you don't need the absolute best camera. Like, you know, a 16-year-old kid who doesn't need a Maserati. You know, he needs a, a you know, some little four-cylinder that's easy to drive. A little so, Honda Civic. So a Honda Civic, something like that. So um, also, just to save money, you know, rather than spending thousands of dollars for everything new, you go on Facebook Marketplace, you go on Craigslist, um, and you find the used stuff that's at good prices. And, and this is one of the things, one of the skills I have developed, uh, you know, here in middle age, like back in the military and as a, as a police officer, I was all, you know, tactical and, you know, combat focused and all this. And now I've kind of turned into like an antique sniper to where I am finding really cool antique stuff that I love at very good prices, just by learning how to look and how to talk to people. So you do the same thing looking for cameras. You're going to find the, the Canon 5D Mark III for, you know, 500 bucks from someone who's getting a divorce and is desperate for the money. Um, you know, it, it just it it just it's a matter of learning how to look for it. Um, and for the most part, most of the used stuff you buy is going to work just fine. So um, I have never bought a new digital camera. Everything I bought has been used. And like I've said in the very in the all my podcast, if you, whatever camera you can get, you can always if you want to learn about it, Google it or search on YouTube before you buy it. University is wonderful. YouTube University is just fantastic. You can learn so much stuff on there, and pretty much whatever camera you get, whether it's a modern or an old one, somebody has made a video about how to use. It can be old. It could be five years old, but it still might be useful useful to you. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, and if it winds up being that eventually you need something better, get something better, but you don't need that right now. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, like again, I was going to ask you something, but I forgot. If you weren't taking pictures, what kind of photography? If you weren't doing this kind of photography or taking pictures at all, what kind of photography do you think you would be taking, or do you do you think you would be doing photography at all? Um, I don't know that. Like, without doing without the World War Two, you know, military kind of stuff, I don't know that I would really want to do it because I, you know, I shoot weddings occasionally. Um, I shoot, you know, senior portraits occasionally. I don't love that enough that it would keep me in photography. Um, although I, I got to say, with because the weddings have been people I know. And they know who I am and what I like to do. Uh, one of them recently wanted to be in really cool where the bride was a soldier I had served with. Her husband was a currently serving soldier. They asked me to bring World War II stuff um, and, you know, film cameras. And I wound up getting like, yeah, I, I took a lot of pictures and they really love the pictures, but their favorite one, uh, we had like five minutes and I threw World War II uniforms jackets on them put on helmets put on gear and then and i had brought fake cigarettes and a zippo lighter and i took a picture of the the groom lighting the bride's cigarette oh that's pretty cool that picture i mean you there you cannot tell that underneath her jacket is a wedding dress and you know underneath his is his dress uniform his army dress uniform um and it wound up being just one of the coolest pictures I've ever taken. And we, I mean, we did it literally within like five minutes because they had to go. Um, and, you know, if I wasn't doing stuff like that, I, you know, I, I don't know if you do a lot of weddings, but I don't like shooting weddings. It's high stress. It's a pain in the ass. You, everyone, they're, they're always running behind. There's always some kind of screw up or complication or drama. And, you know, I wouldn't do that all the time. Because I like it, you know, I, I do that because it's some extra money. But when I can throw in the extra stuff, when I can take film pictures that wind up looking really beautiful, and you know, yeah, that's what that's what keeps me in it is the vintage stuff, if not the modern stuff. Man, I've done one wedding, and I don't know if I'm going to do one again. It's just, I think it's the photographers that are start not starting out, but haven't done a wedding or only done a couple. I think it's all that pressure to get the the best shots that you can get for that that client and you put so much pressure on yourself that you're like oh my god is this night almost over with yeah yeah and and you've got one hand if you, you know, like, but um but yeah it's, it's, Hold can you say that again i'm sorry you were cutting in and out it's, it's that you have, for most of those events at the wedding, you have one chance. You have you know, one chance to get their first kiss. You have one chance to get them cutting the cake because it is never. And if you, if you screw it up, if you miss it, if somebody steps in your way, or I don't know if you saw this at the wedding you shot, but the one guy who decides he is the professional photographer. And so he walks around right in front of everyone with the cell phone filming everything. You know, it's like there's there's always something that could go wrong. And if you miss that one moment, it's gone. No one's ever going to get it, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of pressure shooting weddings. And I, although I kind of enjoy them, kind of, 
but weddings by themselves would not be enough to keep me in photography. Yeah. So, do you have any tips for anyone that's wanting to start doing photography or wanting to get into doing vintage style photography? Um, you know, a, a tip is to, um, I would say, find the right mentor because it, I didn't like I, you know, I'm Marine. I, I'm, I'm an idiot. I have to learn through pain rather than being smart and going and just asking someone, hey, what should I do? So I made a whole bunch of dumb mistakes that I didn't need to. I that if I had just sat down and talked with someone, but it has to be the right person. You know, it has to be somebody who's not telling you, like, you must do these things the way I do or else you're all wrong. It's, you know, understanding that, you know, this is it's an art form kind of, you know, or at least it can be. Um, a lot of it is highly personal. And all that I'm doing, if I was to help mentor someone and whenever anyone asks me about photography, I always say, like, hey, look, this is what I do. It doesn't mean it's what you have to do. It doesn't mean that it's better than anyone else. But this is how I do things. And uh, and I, I would really strongly suggest that anyone who's getting into it, find somebody that they feel comfortable talking with, who they who they don't feel is condescending, uh, talking down to them. Can you hear me? I can barely hear you. Okay, I'm, I'm hearing from static. In the oh, back. oh, okay. Um, I don't know what the heck that is. Okay. Is that better? Hello? Got me? Okay. All right, so you cut out at... Um, oh. You, you want me to answer the question again? Um... Being a, 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 about the mentor, yeah. So I, I would just I, I would suggest that people find a mentor that they're they don't they, they don't feel talking down to them, being condescending or dictate how you must do things if you want to be a good photographer. Um, what we do in photography is it's very highly personal, and um, they should get guidance on how to do the basics. But from there, it's, hey, man, it's however you want to do it. It's whatever you like. Like, no, I don't You should go into World War II vintage photography. It's not going to be me. I know that. But it's what I love to do, and it's what keeps me in this. So, um, you know, for somebody new getting into it, just find a mentor who's going to to, to and then find out what you love and run with it. And like you said, you know, this is what I do. This is, I mean, you might not do it. You could do it the way I do it, but if you don't and you find a way that's better for you to do it, do it that way. I, you're, you're trying to say is, you know, my ne my way is right for me, but it may not be right for you. Right. Yeah. Now, and, and I'm sure that, the, you know, there, there are things like if you run a business, there are things you need to do. Um, but as far as what you love in photography, Hey man, you figure that out. Yeah, and, and I'm just here to help. Somebody right. Somebody helps you landscapes, even though that doesn't really appeal to me. I am happy to help them figure out how to do that the best way for them. You know. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say, man, for 
too into it, like, man, just, just find somebody that you can trust to talk to about it. So where around Houston or Tomball do you really usually shoot? In Tom, several sheets right out in front of that little, uh, that little piece of knockdown building. Either call uh, Tom Ball Police Department. I don't know. I'm going to be out here in front of this building. We're going to have rifles. Sometimes, sometimes it's a real rifle, sometimes it's a replica. No, they're not loaded. They're not going to be pointed at anyone. This is just obviously it'll be a photo shoot. You know, in case anyone drives by, they will recognize it's a photo shoot. And and Tomball, the only only issues I've ever had, like, or I've never never had issues. I've had Tomball police drive by and wave at me. Um, you know, on the phone, they tell me like, "Hey, man, it's Texas. You can have a rifle if you want. No problem. Thanks for letting us know." Um, but that's uh, that's my favorite place to shoot. And I haven't found an, another good place around that really looks like a World War II backdrop. Yeah, I don't know any, but <clears throat> I don't know any of up here in uh, Bryan College Station. But I'll keep. I'll definitely keep you in mind if I ever find anything. Okay, cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Any, any. <laughs> You know, like knockdown looking building uh, that might or trenches, anything that looks like shell holes. I've been trying to find that for a long time. Yeah, man, it was amazing to be able to, to talk to you about photography, and I appreciate you coming on. Oh, no problem. Thank you very much for the inv invitation. I appreciated it. Um, is there anywhere that uh, any of the audience can go see more of your work? Um, I just started a YouTube channel that's Houston Combat Photography, and then I'm also on Instagram as Houston Combat Photography. All right. Um, like I said, I appreciate your, you know, you taking the time out to come to do the interview, and I hope you have a great day. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Being able to talk to all these different photographers and them sharing how they all got started in different ways is pretty cool. Now being able to shoot with a camera that from the 50s is pretty cool like Chris gets to do. Like always, I want to leave you with a quote. When photography... No, no, no. When you photograph a face, you photograph the soul behind it. I think that's what Chris does when his his photography. When he goes out, goes to one of the W uh, World War II reenactment, he catches the soul behind the face of the soldiers. Remember, keep doing what you love. You might have some struggle time to time, but always keep your head up and push through it. It will only be a matter of time before you and your photography will be booming. Thank you for listening to the, the No Filter Photography Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I'll see y'all next time.